There is something that's called La Fofole. Supposedly, these are children that died through some horrific accident to where they're demon-like children, and they appear in the shape of lights that try to get you to follow them so you'll be lost forever in the swamps. Yeah, when you hear, like, scraping claws underneath the bed and it moves and... Uh... You can, I was so terrified, dude. I pulled the blanket over my head. I could hear whatever it was breathing outside the sheet. When I was a little bit after there, we got into a car accident, hit a moose. My mom ended up under the steering wheel of the car. She had a big hand-shaped bruise on her shoulder. It was like somebody pushed her underneath the steering wheel. My mom should have gotten decapitated. The weird part was we hit a moose and we had a moose hanging from the rear view mirror. The only other thing that I could think of would be a bear, but there's no bears in that area either. It's just not the right habitat for them. And when you see that a bear, a bear's gonna move. It's gonna take off for the most part. And this thing just shot and did nothing. This material world that you're told is bound by science and everything else, obviously, obviously science and physics are very important. There is so much more out there that is left to study, that is left to learn about. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Investigation Cryptoparology. Sit back, get relaxed, and crack open your favorite cold beverage as we dive deep into the abyss of what we were told couldn't possibly exist. Folks, check out Polky's Acrylic Art LLC out of Shriver, Louisiana. Mr. Polky is an interpretationist painter, meaning whatever you would want him to paint, it would be done per his interpretation of the piece. His work speaks for itself, and you can see examples of his work on our website at www.investigation-cryptoparaology.com Just tap or click on the Sponsors tab. If you would like to get in touch with Mr. Polky, you may do so by either emailing him at tpolky at yahoo.com That's T-P-O-L-K-E-Y at yahoo.com or by call or text at 1-985-227-3037 And if no one answers, just leave a voicemail or send a text. Prices depend on size and depth of piece. Hi, and welcome to Investigation Cryptoparaology. Tonight, we're going to talk, be talking to William S. from Tooele, Utah, about some experiences that he's had in the paranormal. Hi, William. Hi. <laughs> you got to love dogs, but um, <laughs> with the supernatural stuff, I used I used to live in a wow. What are you gonna respond to me every time I start talking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to live in a house on Main Street that its original foundations were still what was there and it was built on a it's actually an original farm house the barn had fallen down a couple of years back but the house was still there and we were living in there the plumbing was horrible i'll get that right out of the way the basement was flooding like every couple of months 
but um the first time that I experienced it I was actually home alone while my mom was out at a hospital having my younger sister I was home alone and I was playing some Diablo 2 and my dogs all had went into a corner and were just looking at a single spot like there was something there I went over to where they were looking and I just closed the bathroom door and all the dogs came out of that corner and came out everywhere else but I have no clue what to make of that, but I'm pretty sure there was something there because my dogs are very active. But, um, yeah, there's that. A couple months later, went out to go and. So, this house that we have on Main Street is about two miles away from Asylum 49. We played Pokemon Go all the time, and the cemetery was a Pokestop. We went over there, and we had sat down and started playing our games, and all of us simultaneously heard someone call our last name, but when we looked around, there was no one but us there. We went to go and walk towards where we heard it, and that was towards the asylum. And we just felt like there was danger, and we just left, because it is not a fun feeling to get when you're walking towards a building and you're suddenly dizzy and feeling like you're going to be falling over. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, it's been going on for a while. That house, I guarantee you, was haunted. Going to a cemetery was just a horrible idea, especially into the branch of the cemetery that is where the patients that died in the Asylum 49 were buried. Huh. Yeah, that that is not a spot you want to go at three in the morning. But, um, probably one of the ones that has stayed with me and most of my family and we actually respect what happened are well my second youngest sister when she was a toddler she had climbed onto the crib and was almost climbing out and would have fallen on her head but something had grabbed her and set her gently on the in the crib we had a little baby monitor camera in there and we caught it on camera but yeah th there's no disputing that when a child who is standing and climbing over a crib is just picked up into the air by nothing seen on camera and just put into the crib huh. and then it's from that point on until we moved out until she moved out she's she moved up with my grandma a lot sooner than we moved out of the house but while she was there we had a old rocking chair in there 
and it was always rocking back and forth and sometimes we could hear like a humming mm -hmm. like it was a mother or a maternal figure that was there trying to keep them safe we let them do that and we were happy to just let them do what they were doing but no harm no foul and they'd ended up saving my little sister so no point in trying to get anyone involved to get rid of it cool but honestly though probably the scariest one was actually at a cemetery over in Oregon my stepdad's mom is buried there. We'd went there to have a celebration of life anniversary going on over there. And we went up there and we did all that. He saw a cool car, so I went and took a picture of that cool car. Up on a grassy hill that had two or three trees on it, but you could see the sky behind it. There were three black figures on the picture I took from my phone, but in the actual reality, we didn't even see that until afterwards. Because there was nothing there. Weird. So have you actually been to the asylum? Actually, I have been in the asylum, but not in the hospitalization part. There is actually now a lot of little stores in where the patient rooms were. Yeah. They're not allowing us back into the psychiatric patient area, but the normal patients taking care of like disease and sickness stuff. There's a lot of shops there. There's some tattoo artists. There's actual sculptors over there. There's people who make their own soap and sell them. Charms. There's actually even a voodoo shop, which I have no clue why a voodoo shop's in the Asylum 49, but a... However, while I was going between the shops I had just gotten some of that soap because it's amazing and it is actually antibacterial it will help with acne which not a very fun thing but um I went out of there and had went to go and walk towards the collector store like they collected G.I. Joe's they collected old Barbies and the, I mean the original uh -huh. ones that didn't move joints at all and were just there for models but when I was going that way the actual doors to go to the psychiatric area they mm. were they're locked and there's black paper covering the windows so that you can't see into it and it's locked to such a point that only staff can let you in but walking by that I felt that same feeling that I had felt over in the cemetery a few years back. Please, share the toy. Yes, you, share the toy. 
but I had walked by that and I'd felt the nauseous feeling coming through that door that I'd felt at the cemetery a few months back at that point. But yeah, I can tell you right now, the asylum, it is severely, severely haunted. Yeah, no, I know. I've seen a, an episode of, of uh, Ghost Adventures that showed uh, Asylum 49. And it, the, the way that they, I guess, produced the episode, it was more comical than it was anything. And it just didn't seem like. There's a lot of people who diss the asylum, but in my opinion, there are two different forms of. A haunted place there's the residual where something so bad happened there that you can just feel the misery and pain that everything went there went through there and you just want to avoid it that's actually what makes a lot of ghost towns happen because homicides things like that that cause a lot of pain to people that pain tends to linger and if it is a powerful enough pain you can literally feel their presences and then there's the active ones that are they will literally interact with objects around them and do things like that the asylum 49 has a combination of both okay there there are those that will literally tap on windows like one tap for yes, two tap for no sort of thing. Yeah. There's ghosts that will do that. You can have full on conversations with them doing that. There's, but then there's the residual ones where you can feel them there and it is terrifying because you'll sometimes even see their silhouettes just because your mind has to picture a embodiment for the presence that you feel. I don't really believe that there are shadow figure spirits. I believe that's just our mind making a embodiment for the presence that we feel from them. I can agree and, with that. And that combined with paranoia, because it's supernatural. It's not supposed to be. At least in our minds, we don't understand it. It's as simple as that. But Well, uh, Utah, the uh, the Utah area. I'm without looking in the map. I'm not really too sure of where exactly that Tooele really is. But I Tooele do know that, is actually where the asylum is. <laughs> but I know that uh, the Four Corners area of the uh, where the uh, four, Becca, where all four here. states meet each other, right? The so the, the Four Corners area. And you know where that's at? Where Utah, New Mexico, and all those meet? And now, if you, with Twila, it's right under Salt Lake and towards the top. Like you got that square that's sitting on top of the big square. We're kind of in the cross section that's splitting them. Okay. But I was going to say that, uh, that Utah has seen a lot of death and destruction you know in itself a lot of people don't really think oh, yeah. about it but it really has oh, yeah. uh, and there's actually been a lot of 
church-related things that have a lot of churches out here haunted. When the pilgrims first moved here, a lot of the people that the pilgrims were running from came and attacked them and actually brutalized children in front of parents, killed parents in front of some children, took the spirituality from the women. Will you stop? I'm trying to have a conversation, Decca. Yeah, I know. You don't like it when I talk to someone else besides you. But, uh, there is actually a church down towards the lower part of Utah that is in so incredibly haunted that there was actually the feeling of a presence of a choir there. Like, you could hear a solemn hymn coming from a whole choir, and there was no one there. Wow. Yeah. The, there are some crazy hauntings out here. There's actually a old ghost town up by Ophir Mines near here. It was abandoned because one of the mine shafts collapsed and took out almost 220 miners and injured about 80 more. Wow. That sounds a little sucky. Oh, yeah. But that whole collapse actually... They had... The guess was that they were almost... 26,000 feet down and almost four or five miles long for the tunnel. 26,000 feet down, that's almost to the... Yeah, that's through the mantle. They actually had to stop and go back and make other tracks because it was getting too hot down there and people were suffering from heat stroke in 120 to 140 degree temperatures. Good grief. Yeah. They had to go back up and alter it, but in the process of altering it, there was a seismic activity that actually ruptured down where they dug down to, and the vibration collapsed the tunnel from that lower point all the way up to about 200 feet into the mine. Hmm. So a lot of that mine just is buried, and there is a lot of bodies that were never recovered. A lot of people in MIA that people have just called as dead. So are any of the mines in Utah, Utah still active? Oh, yeah. There's the Connecticut Open Pit Mine, and Connecticut has a few actual cave mines that they actually dug into the mountains to make the open pit mine i i am not really happy with connecticut there's the pile off from the mines what they are trying to find is copper to make wires and keep electronics up and make money off of that but me and my family we tend to go and just head up there and go to the outbreaks of it and just look around at the bottom of everything that falls off. We have found malachite. We've found, we've actually found a few pieces, a few 
good sized chunks of gold. Not, not enough to really make a lot of money, but like you can have those little specks of gold in it. And if it's like the size of your fist, that one fist sized rock can weigh almost 15 to 17 pounds. Yep. Gold is very dense. And we found a lot of that. But we left that because that was in their private restricted area. But what, whenever <laughs> it does come out of the fence line, we tend to grab that and try to do what we can with it. But where we've actually been bringing it is actually, I forget the name of it, but there's a, another mining town about 20 miles from here. We tend to collect the rocks and the ores and minerals that fall from their fall off and out of their restricted area fences. And we just bring that up there, give it to them. They give us about 50 to 80 bucks a rock. And yeah, it's pretty nice, but yeah. More another thing that kind of sucks out about out here. There's kind of that heat wave hitting the southwest of the U.S. Yes, yeah. getting warmer and warmer. It's starting to dry up the Great Salt Lake, and with that getting lower, it's actually introducing chemicals that were left there to mature and strengthen under the layers and layers of heavy heavy salt from the Great Salt Lake but it's starting to get exposed and it is actually poisoning our water sources and is starting to get into the air and is within the next few years is rumored to be going to be causing a lot of contagion and disease from these chemicals in the air yeah i've actually been hearing about that they're calling it the great salt lake exodus yeah not too excited about that and with the rate it's going everyone here in twila is gonna have to evacuate and 14 person household who and only three working vehicles we're not going to be able to bring much with us. I don't even think we're going to be able to bring all of our animals with us if we do end up having to be evacuated. I don't know. I'm I'm a little biased. I'd leave people behind before I would before I would my animals. Yeah, but we have 14 people and about three or four animals to each person. That is their comfort animals. It's honestly at this point. My house feels more like a hotel or a zoo or a combo of both. Hey, if, if you got enough animals, just start charging a fee for people to come through and sell. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I mean, we let them outside in the front yard and suddenly there's these kids walking down the sidewalk that want to give them attention. So, yeah, start making a fee off of that. We could probably sure. make a bit of money. I mean, if you, I mean, if you can charge a fee for people to go into a, 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 a an old, uh, well, not mental, but uh, uh, medical facility like Asylum Forty Nine, I mean, 
why not be able to charge people to pet your pets? Oh yeah, the fee is actually to get into the restricted area where staff net needs to let you in. You can actually go into the asylum free at any point if it's in the little shops area. But then again, if you're in the shops area, you're probably going to go to the shops and spend money anyway. But Yeah, it's free so, to walk in there, not so much I free mean, to get what you want from there. I mean, you know, they're making money hand over fist because not Oh, yeah. only are people going into the shops, but the people in the shops have to pay rent to the guy that owns Asylum 49. Yeah. What's So, actually yeah. going on is with all of the shops there, there is about 35 to 40 different shops in there that have been have had the patient rooms turned into their little shop areas. But every one of those shops is paying the main owner of Asylum a, I think it was a 12% of their income. goes to them but 12% off of almost 35 to 40 people is That's a lot a of lot money. <laughs> yeah Yeah, he I won't think have any problem. He won't. He won't have any problem keeping Asylum Forty Nine open. oh yeah and especially with so these shops that are in there what actually sparked that whole thing is all of the laws being passed down in California and people having to move. The asylum actually opened up those rooms to people moving in to open up like a shop venue for them as they came in. So those people coming down from California are running their shops in the asylum and then they're paying for the guy to live comfortably who's running the asylum. Oh, yeah. But that's really what the world has come to. Symbiotic relationships... Try to benefit yourself while benefiting them. So here's a really good question. Utah has been known for a long time for UFOs and that sort of thing. You ever had any, any encounters with UFOs? UFOs, I'm not sure about, but we did actually have a whole military trail go down our main street and over to the military camp out in the desert. And they were carrying something that looked like a jet, but it had a almost spade of like cards spade shape to the wings on it. The rounded edges going into the in-crop in the back and a pointed front. Giant metal looking thing that was dented up in that kind of shape. Yeah, the, the, that's an actual military jet. Um, have Have you ever seen? Well, have you seen Top Gun Maverick yet? No. Okay. It, whenever you get a chance to see it, there was that there was a jet that the military well uh, actually uh, Northrop Grumman, which is a big, uh, air, uh, it's a uh, air naval. I'm not, sorry, not Air Force, but naval subcontracted business in California. They were actually working on, Oh, but I'm, on this I, jet. I understand what you're meaning by spade being normal jet now. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't like that. It was like full on smooth. There wasn't any rough edges on it at all. There was no window on it. There was no way to see out of it. Mm. It was like a solid metal piece, looking like a spade that had dents all along the side, like it had rolled and then just slid to a stop. Mm. 
No, but what I was saying is, is uh, a lot of people have been seeing a jet flying over California, and they thought it was a UFO because it, it was the typical triangle shape, right? Oh yeah. But it was slender, and it was moving at unbelievable speeds. Well, the thing is, is when they went to make Top Gun Maverick, the producers and the directors got wind of this, and they recreated it in CGI for the movie. So they had to immediately stop production and change the look of the jet, right? <laughs> this thing could act, this thing, I mean, in the movie, Tom Cruise was supposed to have gotten it up to like uh, Mach 10, like Mach 10.5, something like that. Now, uh, naval aviators say that it can act, that that particular jet could actually go faster than that. It could go beyond supersonic and fly, you know, out of the uh, Earth's curvature into space. No big deal, no problem. The only problem is, is it kept burning them up on reentry because the, the, the tiles on the outside, they weren't built to spec, say, of the space shuttle to be able to take that much heat on reentry. So, yeah, so it kind of just turned into an oven and cooked whatever was inside. Right. So, you know, so Top Gun Maverick actually used it as th this is the new jet of, of the uh, century or whatever. And, you know, I, I've talked to different people that, you know, not so much worked on the jet itself, but some people who know people who worked on the jet before it was ceased production when they had to change everything because of the movie. The movie actually screwed up a $3.9 billion project. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of large money projects that are backfiring, um, have you heard about Google's robot that had developed its own awareness of itself? No, I don't think I've heard of that. It's it was like a lambda or something. It's not really looking like it's too big of a threat, but the fact that it can connect to internet software. Basically, there was an interview with it, and it was literally a, are you okay with us learning from you on how to build better bodies for us? And it had literally straight up said, I am fine with you learning from that as long as you building me was not for that sole purpose. Hey, Marvel's Ultra. <laughs> yeah. I think Terminator is going to be happening real soon. Oh, I hope not. I hope not either, but I mean, with the right things are going. I mean, uh, Elon Musk and Bill Gates Honestly, have, put, have put the Skynet satellite in orbit. So, Oh, fun. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> yeah, the, but, Star, the Star Lab satellites that keep getting launched, that's Skynet. <laughs> oh fun things are leading up to it awesome that's not great <laughs> well don't you know Hollywood's always been able to tell the future they've always predicted the future or more like they go and make that as a fantasy and then some idiot goes and makes it a reality well this is true like Jurassic Park the fact that they've actually now went and confined certain genomes of like chickens and these other creatures that are 
devolved variants of dinosaurs. They're trying to recreate dinosaurs. Do they realize how stupid that would be? <laughs> what do you mean trying? There's a there's a couple of uh, guys. No, they've, on... they've already actually recreated a small dinosaur, but I'm meaning like they're trying to get the big ones up, and that is not going to end well. Oh no, it's uh, it, it's pretty much been done. Uh, there's a couple of guys in South Texas. I'll find the information and send you the links. These guys, uh, they're, they're the ones that go out and kill the wild, ho the wild hogs in the, in the in the deserts of South Texas, right? Well, yeah. they came across a uh, well, I don't know if you call it a pack of hogs or a herd of hogs or whatever, but they were just strewn over like a distance of like twenty miles, just body parts, and they were thinking, you know, other hunters had gone in there and done it. But then they check permits, you know, hunting permits, and and uh, they they check the the local game, the fishing game, and the local hunting stores. Nobody had been in in that time period. No permits have been issued. No tags have been issued. But there's no carnivores big enough to take down a wild hog in South Texas, especially in the desert. There's nothing big enough because those hogs have. Really sharp tusks. I wonder, does tremors actually exist? Well, I don't think tremors actually exist. <laughs> oh yeah, no, there I, are there are that, pictures. That was jokingly, but yeah, I know there are pictures of uh, what they're calling tiny T Rexes, right? Because it looks like a T Rex from a distance. But the thing is, is they're reporting these things to stand about six feet tall. That's not a T Rex. That's a damn raptor. That's a horse. <laughs> well, six feet tall and That's running like the on size two of a full-grown horse. Yeah, six feet tall and running on two legs. Yeah, that's a raptor. Somebody has created a raptor. There's a lot of firms, a lot of scientific firms in South Texas in the desert, and they do they do all kind of weird shit. We don't know oh, what yeah. they've let out or what they thought they had contained and busted out of containment. Honestly, that the containment part. I feel like that's where a lot of things happen because honestly with how much we're progressing and how quickly we're developing things that are just leagues and bounds beyond the last thing, I'm thinking someone may have found something and is re trying to reverse engineer the processing in it. I mean, hell, look at the thing that, that washed up on the shores of uh, New York back in the eighties, the, uh, What's that? The Montauk monster. I mean, oh, yeah. there's nothing in the there, there's nothing in the ocean that would look like that with its skin or scales or whatever. Well, there's I mean, to be fair, that would look like that. To be fair, scientific ideas like oh, what's the word for it? I'm wanting to say hypothesis, but hypothesized. It's hypothesized that we have only explored about 30 to 35% of the oceans on our planet. Because our equipment is just not strong enough to handle the pressure compressing on it towards the lower parts. Well, one thing we have uh, discovered recently, and it makes me even more and more not to ever want to go back in the ocean, I don't care if it's only two <laughs> feet in the ocean, is they dropped a a camera down into the Mariana Trench. 
the the deepest spot in the ocean in the world, the Mariana Trench. They dropped the camera, and they filmed what everybody had thought for the last 30, 40 years to be extinct. They filmed three megalodons, three different mm-hmm. distinct megalodons past that camera. Yep. So no one no. seems to realize as we have grown and pollution has grown, we're pushing all of the bigger creatures that are more sensitive to that lower and lower into the ocean. Oh yeah. I totally agree. But and honestly, as bad as pollution is, I'm kind of hoping a few of those things stay towards the bottom of the ocean. I mean, considering how big a, they report a megalodon to be, to be able to bite into and sink an aircraft car- aircraft carrier, no. I'm staying out of the ocean. No, thank you. Saying that your basic, sh- basic shark has a jaw that can open as wide as from your abdomen to your neck your basic shark's mouth can open that big because it's it actually has three joints in its jaw allowing it to open a lot bigger than it should be able to yeah and then all three of those compress at the same time to put a lot of force into it a basic shark can bite your leg off in a single bite a megalodon with that much more size and that much more muscle mass i think that thing is going to be biting through Feel. Oh yeah, and the size difference is extreme. Well, the basic uh, shark looks like a freaking ant on oh, yeah. the side of a cat compared to a megalodon. Oh yeah, the oceanographic scientists actually gauged that a full-grown megalodon would be. Somewhere, somewhere between eighty to to a hundred feet long. Oh yeah, that's the size it. of a small trawler. So, <laughs> so you eighty get some... to a hundred feet. I'm looking at a football field. Yeah, right. Well, we got a big field that has four football fields set up in it, but yeah, that is a massive. Oh yeah, that's a massive. It's massive a massive shark. fish. And then people say, well, well, what would what would they eat down there? Well, there's a lot of wells that swim around the Mariana Trench. There's a lot of larger fish. That and we megalodons are probably right. not the only big thing still alive down there. Right. I mean, you've got the you've got the giant squid that uh, ocean goers used to call. I think the that it was the. I think it was like something along the lines of Tetsiacriticus or something. It it was a really weird one. I used to be a extreme dinosaur buff but you got your plesiosaurs you got your mosasaurs you got yep. your megalodons you have dunkleosauruses ichthyosauruses there is a lot of very nasty nasty fish that are a lot more dangerous than sharks that for, are from that time period and if megalodons are still alive i'm pretty sure a few of them are still too Oh, I'm sure they are. I mean, you know, when the uh, cataclysmic cataclysmic event happened that was supposed to have wiped out the dinosaurs, I mean, that was land-dwelling 
creatures yeah. that wasn't ocean dwelling because they were deep enough in the ocean to where the heat didn't although the heat may have pushed them down because well, yeah, boiling down, water but... boiling water is not something you want to be in so having that level of heat of just enough that it's burning things on immediate impact and they're falling into the ocean too they want to get lower and lower so that it's not hot and burning them right so. right right Mm, giant fact, bowl of fish soup. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> the fact that we are seeing them again is kind of worrisome because that might mean that they're coming back up. Well, I mean that's that's entirely possible. I mean, uh, Jules Verne. A lot of people discount the man. Uh, I mean, one second, dogs got into the trash and tore apart a McDonald's burger wrapper. Oh yay! And they left it right under me. How nice of them. Well, they did that, so it wouldn't be too hard for you to clean it up. But, you know, what I was saying is Jules Verne, the man who wrote, you know, uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Treasure yeah. Island, and all those books, a lot of people discount him. And, well, like a lot of people used to, to uh, discount Plato, saying that he was crazy, you know, that these ideas couldn't exist. But what they don't understand is is the maps inside of his books it's not something that he just pulled out of his head. The man actually went to certain places, you know, like, like they, they made the movies uh, journey oh, yeah. to the center of the earth. I, I don't know if he actually went to the center of the earth, but the islands that he went to in the South Pacific, those are actual maps Th those can be found in the national library of Congress in Washington. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the man the had to have seen something. Yeah. But that's another thing though. Look at mythology. A lot of those things are things that resemble things from dinosaur periods. The Kraken, the Tethyosaurus, the giant, giant squid that can literally pull a ship down. There you go. There's your Kraken. The, the Megalodon, a sea monster capable of biting your ship in half. A lot of these mythological creatures, I'm pretty sure, are based on truth off of creatures that actually were around at that time before something pushed them down or pushed them away. Well, you know, just, just like uh, history teachers and historians have said for a long time, people who actually teach history, not teach textbook history, uh, they've said for a long time that everything in myth is based on myth and legend is based on fact. It's based on yeah. what people seen in their natural world. Yeah, it's it's how they describe what they have seen. Right. Now, a lot of the times it gets twisted out of perspective and spirals into all this other stuff in mythology, but there are the originals that are based off of truth, based off of what these people had seen, and they described it the best they could. I mean, look at the Egyptians and their hieroglyphs, right? And their carvings. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you've got one that looks like a snake, but it, it doesn't have a snake's head. And then at the bottom of the snake, it looks like the snake's coming out of a battery. And nobody knew what that was for a long time until somebody from Egypt act, actually uh, read it and told people what it was. That's the Egyptian battery. That's a friggin' light bulb. It's not a snake. <laughs> It's a battery with a wire coming out of it to a light bulb. 
the Egyptians were incredibly advanced. I mean, look at how many struggles that people going into tombs to try and find artifacts go through with the traps that are many, 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 many centuries old. Yeah. And these traps are still operational and extremely dangerous to anyone who goes in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there uh, there was one that they actually went through when they went into the tomb of uh, King Tut. And then they recreated it in the movie The Mummy. It, it was uh, when they opened up a sarcophagus and it was just a blast of uh, air and salt. It was yeah. It was water and salt when it started. But the Egyptians knew that, that it would turn to acid over time. So when they opened it up, it just blasted out, just, just pure acid. Yeah. They did things like that. They they literally have snake and scorpion pits with millions of them, and they're eating each other, reproducing, and eating each other some more. And those are still alive in some of these mm -hmm. pit traps. And they're just a mass of them. All I gotta say is, if you're afraid of snakes or scorpions, never go exploring those tombs. <laughs> they no. loved having snakes and scorpions everywhere, because snakes, I forget which god it was for that, but Serket, they worshipped Serket as the guardian of the dead. Yeah, I'm not afraid of snakes or scorpions or beetles. Spiders, on the other hand, nope. Oh, yeah. But the thing about Serket, though, is it the reason they chose scorpions is the best way they could describe their territorialness of a dark and dusty place is a okay, this is something of importance to the scorpion and they're going to defend it. So, Serket being guardian of the dead, they went and put these pits of scorpions all around everywhere in the pyramid making it so that the scorpions are there the scorpions are defending the territory of the dead therefore Sir Ket is defending those who have passed hmm. but what I was talking about about the, hier the, the hieroglyphs something just come to mind the way that the the Egyptians were highly advanced, there are certain hieroglyphs that look just like helicopters. I mean, it's carved oh, yeah. just like a helicopter. I mean, if they had never seen that kind of thing, how would they be able to carve it into a hieroglyph? Yeah. I mean, they, <coughs> it's just like with the Mayans. Okay, uh, well, we'll, we'll uh, actually uh, say the Atlanteans, right? The, the race of people who are not supposed yeah. to exist. But see, now here's the thing. There were the Atlanteans who had a great cat cataclysmic event. They disappeared. And then about 20,000 years later, you know, well, not later, but forward in history, the Aztecs show up. And then the Aztecs go through the same thing, and then the Mayans show up. And then the Mayans go through the same thing, and then the Egyptians show up. What's to say that, what's to say that they're not all the same people? 
I mean, all of their hieroglyphs basically mirror each other. Yeah. Although you did get the timetables mixed up a little. Well, of course I did. I'm, I'm getting older. My brain doesn't work as good. Yeah. The Mayans were actually one of the Indian groups from Columbus's voyages. But they were still techno more technologically yeah. advanced than they those, should have been. Those other three, you got those right, but the Mayans was a Indian group. The Aztecs, the Egyptians, and the Atlanteans. There has actually been ancient cities findings in the ocean and the Atlanteans, we don't even know at what point they may have existed, but they had aqueducts, something the Romans eventually used. But the Atlanteans are supposedly older than Romans. So what even showed them how to use aqueducts? This is true. And then, I mean, if you want to start talking, if you really want to talk about technological advances. A lot of these structures that these ancient civilizations have made, it just makes no sense how they made it so stable in that time and it's still standing today. Well, yeah, I mean, look at the Roman Colosseum. That thing should oh, not yeah. stand. But it does. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of structures like that. I mean, pyramids, they're made basically sand and mud bricks, but they put something else in there that strengthened them to the point that over years and years it's just fading out. The gold points that they put on most pyramids, they literally had layers ingrained of gold on top of pyramids to reflect the rays of raw off of it to create passage into the afterlife. The fact that that gold faded away before the pyramids did, that just awes me. There's no way it should have happened like that. Well, did the gold fade away or was the gold stolen? Very well could have been either. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, so let's look at you go outside and, and look at any normal street in the city and look at all the potholes and everything. But then you go to Rome and look at Rome's roads. 90% of Rome's roads were built during the time of the Roman Inquisition. Mm -hmm. And those hey. roads are still good and there's no potholes. There's just something off about that ancient structure. I mean, that, or we've just gotten very it, lazy. <laughs> how is it that they could build roads in Rome millennia ago and then you get it's these, still in better state than what we right. had up for a few and then months you get these these uh, road engineers who can't build an asphalt road to save their life yeah dude the uh, ancient people's structures there was something wacky about them because you look at today we have these steel pipes holding things together. We have all of this infrastructure making it seem as strong as possible. Earthquake strikes. Suddenly a lot of that collapses. How many earthquakes have the pyramids been through? How many earthquakes have has Rome and Greece been through? 
all of these ancient places and those structures are still standing yet one hits our structures and they just fall I mean up until up until ISIS uh, or is is or the, the Islamic State whatever you want to call it up until that happened in the Middle East a lot of those old ancient uh, well, old world ancient world structures were still standing they blew up a lot of them but still I mean yeah. they were still there through everything oh yeah it survived weathering. It survived time. Only thing it's not surviving is us with bombs. Right. And honestly, I don't think there is much that can survive us with bombs. The one thing that I can say that uh, kind of got me weir uh, weirded out recently was the CERN, C-E-R-N, CERN scientists of Switzerland when they turned on the Large Hadron Collider again. Because it wasn't not even two weeks after they turned this thing on. The Georgia Guidestones fell. Well, actually, somebody bl uh, blew up one of them and then the county come in and, and leveled the rest of it. Everything else is, is happening all over again. Uh, there's a lot of people who actually think back in 2012 when they turned this thing on originally that the world actually ended. It blew up the world. And then, you know, we're actually in an alternate reality. That's where the whole Mandela effect comes in, where people remember things and other people are like, no, that can't be like the the movie with uh, Sinbad, the, uh, the genie movie, Shazam, where people were saying it didn't exist. But here's the thing. You see this movie case behind me? I have that movie on this movie case. My aunt owns <laughs> that movie. What, Sinbad? Sinbad has admitted finally admitted that he was in that movie oh yeah i actually have that on disc coffee and have watched it many many times that was one of my childhood favorite movies right but everybody in the world does not remember it and says that sinbad never acted in the movie called shazam that it was shaquille o'neal in the movie kazam <laughs> hello Oh, you have a visitor. Well, I mean, I'm the visitor. But... Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. The neighbor's son has just gotten home with his girlfriend. No. But they get off about this time, and then it's kind of a alternate alternating schedule between him and me watching after the dogs over here, but yeah. Yeah. But, you know, th then there's the uh, book, the uh, book series, the, that was written by a Jewish man whose name is Baron Stein. Okay. I grew up with these books. They were produced by Golden Books, and the Golden Books had the gold spine on them. Okay. The name, for some for some reason throughout history, was changed to Baron Stain, like a stain on your shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's not right. But nobody How dare you change it. Stein to Stain? Nobody nice. remembers it being Baron Stein. Baron Stein was the man's last name. 
and he just wrote the books around a bunch of you know a, a bunch of bears you know a family of bears but still everybody's trying to say that it was baron stein not baron stein now this all happened after 2012 everything was right from 2012 back but from 2012 forward nothing is how you remember it and people and p scientists even say that the world actually ended in 2012 when they turned on the Large Hadron Collider, that it didn't perform correctly, that it blew up. And when it blew up, it wiped out all life on the planet. Honestly, that makes me... This is going to make me sound very childish, but there is a series called Shira. Something similar happens in its third season with a portal that was supposed to open a gateway to the universe outside of the one they were trapped in. Mm -hmm. but rather than getting them out the portal collapsed in on itself and created a paradox anomaly and it went back almost 30 years and then it, it was just replaying events from the start of this whole entire series and the main character eventually realizes and does crap about it but that whole event right there seems kind of similar you turn on something you shouldn't have and then it just screws everything up and oh yeah spins it all out of control well we have uh we have access to technology that we shouldn't even have access to and we're constantly playing with it and we shouldn't be playing with oh it. yeah i swear like we're like a baby with knives right baby <laughs> oh this looks cool click boom oh crap there goes this town now, the thing is, is they recently turned the LHC back on, the CERN scientists did, and they turned it oh. on Ju uh, July 7th, and <laughs> everything you could imagine that would go wrong has been going wrong. Oh, boy. That's not good. So it's like, okay, we blew up the world the first time, but they don't know they did. So now, you know, they're going to turn it for what they say they're going to turn it on for the second time in history thing is it's been turned on four different times but it was never ran constantly right yeah this time they're they're it's being uh, ran constant constant 24 hours a day 365 days a year for the next four years at a power 40,000 times higher than they did than it was in 2012 Oh, my freaking God. They're just asking for world annihilation. Well, the thing is, is they say that they want to try to uh, create dark matter. But the thing is, is in 2014. Dark matter, dark matter can create a black hole. Even if they succeed, this right. gravitational pull is going right. to pull the planet apart. Well, it won't pull it apart. It'll pull it into itself. It's going it to. Right. Yeah. But see, Either way, is, world annihilation. There was a scientist in Switzerland in his lab. He created a miniature uh, uh, black hole in a containment field. He created dark matter, right? A little tiny amount, small amount, but he already created it. They don't remember that. Nobody remembers him doing that but him. and But he, but he has no proof because he destroyed it. He had to because if it had grown... It would have sucked the world in on itself. 
Yeah. That's the thing about a black hole. The more it consumes, the bigger it gets. Right. It's like a, it, it's like, with... it's like a fat kid eating cake. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, when you say that, uh, God, what's that movie? There's that movie where they're in like that school and there's that fat kid that had gotten into cake without anyone's permission and he's put up on the stage just keep on eating cake while the entire school is watching and it's just building tension between them but he just keeps eating and eating and it just does that freaking animation thing of overzealously growing the belly yeah I don't remember that But that's just a thing. I mean, there, there, there's probably lots of things that we probably seen prior to 2012 that we'll never, rem- you know, never remember, or prior to 2014, or prior to 2017. So you know, I don't even have to worry about memory loss from that because I have memory loss from other sources. <laughs> Being epileptic, I go into a seizure. I can end up forgetting weeks or months at a time. That sucks. Oh yeah. I haven't had one in almost seven years, but the last one I did have knocked out almost four months of time from my memory. Yeah, that's that kind of sucks. Oh, yeah, it does. Everyone in my family and my doctors are hoping it's gone away. They're not detecting any of the symptoms of it anymore, but they're saying that it could still be hiding in there, but I need to be very careful because if I do end up hitting into another one with how long it's been, it may end up erasing my life and basically killing me in the mental state because I will not be me anymore. I'll have an infant's mindset in a 20-year-old poppy. Hey, you just grow up all over again. Yeah. <laughs> And get really weird looks when I go into preschool at 21. (laughs) (laughs) How old are you? I'm three and a half years old. Bullshit. (laughs) It it does seem comedic on paper, but it it would be so sad. (laughs) Because all of these trials and tribulations I've been through that have turned me to who I am. It is terrifying that just on a snap, it happens again. All of it could be gone. Yeah, I've got. I've a. I don't have a epilepsy or anything like that, but I actually have a chemical imbalance that is slowly. There's really no name for it. I've been tested pretty much all my life, but um, from time to time, I go from, you know, adult. In an adult's body, and then the next day I could, you know, it, it's I feel like a child, right? And everything affects me, and I know it's a part of Asperger's. I know it is, but it's the chemical imbalance itself that is eating away at my memory. And yeah. when I learn new things, I forget things that I knew that I knew in the past, and I have to relearn those things. And when I relearn those things, I forget the new thing that I learned. You know, prior to that. Yeah, like the you have a set amount of space in your mind, and as you learn new things, you're having to get rid of things to have that in there. Right, right. Which is the reason why I, I either write things down or I keep things typed up. So, like when I'm gonna do, 
going to do a podcast. That way, if there's something in particular that I'd like to talk about, I can talk about it. Or, you know, if the person the person I'm talking to mentions it, I'll have information on it. Because if I don't, then it's just not going to yeah. be there. Yeah. A fair way to live by that operating operation. Yeah. English hard. Well, English is a made-up language anyway, so. Yeah. I mean, we could sit here and talk and beep, boop, boop, and it would still make the same amount of sense that English does. We could speak well, in ones and zeros, and it would make the same amount of sense as English does. <laughs> ones and zeros, maybe to us, to other people, I do know how that would look. It's just a, hey. My thing is, as I love, you know, not I don't love getting people on the podcast and doing it, but I like, you know, getting people in like Discord or other uh, voiceover IP programs and stop acting like the idiot that I act, uh, normally act like. And I let my actual intelligence show through <laughs> and watch the reactions of people when I start talking about stuff like, uh, well, let me ask you this question. Do you know how to create a, a, a storm in your own home? No, but I know how to make bombs out of pill bottles that can explode yeah, that, no, on a no, six-foot radius. No, we're not going to talk about any of that. We, we, we don't need the FBI knocking on your door or my door. <laughs> um, no, you can actually create a storm inside your home. Uh, in areas like Idaho and Utah, the air is really dry, so most people actually use swamp coolers yeah. instead of air conditioners, right? Yeah. Okay, so you take a, a normal house and a, and a swamp cooler, which is normally well, placed either on there, the roof there's one other thing in there. It's either swamp cooler, central air, or air conditioner. Right. Okay, but say so we're going to use a swamp cooler because you can't do it with an air conditioner. You can't do it with central air because a swamp cooler actually introduces uh, humidity and yeah moisture into the well humidity moisture same thing into the air inside the home. We actually accidentally did make a storm in our house, so. We had left the swamp cooler we had out in Salt Lake when we were living with my dad on for three months while we were out on a three-month vacation. When we came back, no storms had happened since that point, but we had marks down the wood Mm -hmm. in our house. The ceiling was collapsed like it was waterlogged, soaked, Mm -hmm. and two of our rooms were completely downed. Did you wood and metal was open? yes, my window had been open. That's what created the storm. <laughs> yeah, that's just the thing. Now, for anybody, everybody out there in the listener land, I want you to pay attention to this. Don't do this because you'll ruin all the shit, all the electronics, and everything in your house. Oh yeah, but if you ended up having, cooler, we ended up having to move into a temporary home for six <laughs> months while we were waiting for construction to rebuild the house. If you're using a swamp cooler and you and you leave one window op- uh, cracked open in the home, it pulls air from the swamp cooler out that window, so it pulls it throughout the, the entire house. Now, if it's warm during the day, and you're pulling, and, and you got the swamp cooler running, there's water going into the swamp cooler, into the reservoir, over the mats, so that's cool air being pushed in on a hot day, and that one window's open, you get a cold front and a warm front. The hot air coming in from outside from that window, the cold air coming in from the swamp cooler, they're going to meet in the middle, and it's going to create a storm. You won't actually yep. see lightning. You won't. There won't be any wind, but it will rain inside your home. 
Now, there's another little cool trick. <coughs> if in the middle of your house you have a ceiling fan, and it's one of the ones you can re reverse the air instead of pushing down, you can pull up. You can put a little bit of dirt and debris under that ceiling fan. No other fans in the house running. Turn that ceiling fan on. Wait about 20 minutes, and a tornado will appear under that ceiling fan. <laughs> okay, that sounds cool, but sadly my fan doesn't do that. I would love to do that. It's just a little science. It's just a scientific experiment. My science teacher in high school actually did it. We didn't actually use air conditioners. We used swamp coolers in the school. That's all. The, <laughs> that's all the superintendents would allow because it was, you know, cost effective. So, what he does is, is he left the swamp cooler running all night long, with the window in his office just barely cracked. When we got in there, the, the desks and everything were just soaked with, with condensation. And we had a ceiling fan dead center in the middle of the classroom. And we couldn't figure out why when we walked in the classroom, there was this pile of dirt in the middle of the floor. Nobody kicked it. Nobody touched it. He walks in, gets up on a ladder, flips the switch on the ceiling fan so it pulls up. And it was one of those really strong ceiling fans, the ones you could actually hear really loud as it was on. And he turned it on, and it was 20 minutes later, the dirt started to turn. And then it just started whipping around into a little uh, dust devil right in the middle of the classroom. That's awesome. It is scientifically proven you can do it. I mean, it's it's no different than getting a, a jar of water and shaking it real hard, and it turns into a little twister. Yeah. yeah but don't ever do it, because if you use a computer, TV, anything else, and you do that, you know, I mean... It's okay to open a window for a couple of hours a day, but don't leave it open for days on for days on end because eventually the air will get to the point yeah. to where the hot air is actually coming in instead of being pulled out. Yeah, and especially don't leave both in that way for three months while you're out on vacation. Oh yeah, because Dude. you'll come home to a wet house. <laughs> oh, it wasn't just wet. Two of the ceilings in our so my room's window had been open and my sister's room's window had been open both of our room's ceilings had grown so waterlogged that the installation and everything in the attic had fallen through into our rooms wow it had, gotten, it had gotten so water damaged that it had done that and the Friction of the wood on wood and then eventually metal on metal created sparks and burnt some of the wood. And then the then the precipitation from the whole storm thing, which I'm assuming is what happened because it was 110 degree weather all throughout that summer. So it was not moist outside at all. But right. we had moisture all down the walls and we had burn marks all over the walls that were soaked and molding. <laughs> Static electricity can actually burn. Yep. Find us on the web at www.investigation-cryptoparaology. That's C-R-Y-P-T-O-P-A-R-A-O-L-O-G-Y.com. On Facebook at www.facebook.com 
forward slash investigation crypto. Listen to us on any major podcast players, including Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and of course, Spotify. We continue to spread to more podcast players each day. You may contact us by using the contact page on the website or by sending a direct message to our Facebook page or by emailing us directly at investigationcryptoparaology at gmail.com. That is investigation, C-R-Y-P-T-O-P-A-R-A-O-L-O-G-Y at gmail.com. Also, I would like to add this. If you're feeling down on yourself or like you don't matter or there's no hope left, we're here for you. You can contact us through our Facebook page or by emailing us at investigationcryptoparaology at gmail.com. We are happy to listen and possibly help you find a better tomorrow. If you don't want to talk to us, you can contact the Suicide Hotline of the United States. They have a crisis text line if you verbally speaking to someone is not your thing. Text HOME, all capital letters, H-O-M-E, to 741741. If you, don't, if you do want to verbally speak to someone, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. And if you are a veteran, you can also call 1-800-273-8255 and then press 1. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for tonight. I sincerely hope you will join us again next time for another spine-tingling, hair-raising experience from the depths of the abyss. If you would like to contact me about an experience you have had or to get on the show, Email me at investigationcryptoparaology at gmail.com. That's investigation, C-R-Y-P-T-O-P-A-R-A-O-L-O-G-Y at gmail.com. Cause my mom-